Welcome, dirty peasants, to episode 63 of Warwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This week we'll be covering Amphibia Season 2, Episode 11, Night Drivers and Return to Warwood. I'm your host, Thematicon, and join me today we have... Nick! What's up, people? And Pickle. Hey. Thanks, guys, for coming on, and, uh... I believe both of you were on for the last two weeks while I was occupied. Thanks for, thanks to you and Impact as well for holding the fort. No, you're welcome. So, I don't think there's any news this week other than uh, TJ Hill's usual... Uh, I believe every Friday he posts a Season 3, uh, the Season 3 soundtrack, and every Monday he posts the Season 2 soundtracks, correct? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to slowly get all those, get all that music out, but I'm still waiting for that Anne vs. Wild soundtrack, but one day. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, right? Like, didn't, didn't well, I think he, one sec, I think I'm a good check. I, I know right? he posted a couple of season one tracks like a long time ago, like back in 2019. Oh, there it is, Anne Hunter. No, no, I, I think he did. Anne Hunter score um, excerpts. Wait. Oh, I've asked about Anne Hunter. I was talking about Anne versus Wild. Oh, Anne versus oh. Wild. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. But, um, wow. Yeah, I, I never realized that. Wow. I, th- I thought they already did release um, season one's entire soundtrack, didn't they? Or just most of the. Like, I know anything about that. The I guess just like the more famous ones or something, you know what I mean? Like the yeah, like the, like the Sylvia song, um, Fly to the Moth, huh? Well, the hop to you, drop like I the think dance off music. In season three. Hmm. But yeah, that's I mean, all... I, I hope they get the season one because, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, I just hope, yeah, once they get once TJ Hill gets through two and three, I hope we get one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really does feel like a miracle that like we're getting both season two and season three because I like because I know we were yeah we were begging for it for such a long time and it kind of felt like something that wouldn't happen. But hey, here we are now, right? Like we we have these like we have these entire soundtracks just getting dumped online. I'm like, God, I I just can't wait to like I don't know what I usually do on things like these. Like I, I just. Sometimes when I'm studying or writing or doing something, like I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I just put these on and I just sort of like relive these memories in my head or something while I'm listening to the music. It's really fun to do, but yeah, I mean, I, I just can't wait to have the whole series just in my hands to do. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I wish Disney would put more of their music on Spotify for like their shows because they've got the they got the the Battle of the Bands special music and they've got like the like. The lyrical intro version, but not the normal intro version, and it's just really, really annoys me because I want I want to be able to add those to my playlists, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, they, they've shown me... like I can't wait. Yeah, they've been they've shown me able to do it, but like they haven't, which is frustrating. Yeah, this is just weird. This kind of stuff, sort of back and forth on it. So I guess we can. That's pretty much all for news this week. We can go right into the episode, starting off with Night Drivers. So, Night Drivers was written by Geneva Mai, 
storyboards by Drew Applegate and Nat Marr, and directed by Jen Strickland. So I guess, like, starting off with general thoughts, this was a, uh, this was a Polly Sprig-focused episode, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's like, picking up, you know, the trip back, picking up where we left off with, uh, getting back to Warwood. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I guess starting with Pickle, what are your, what are your thoughts on this episode? Good episode. It kind of gets, gets us back into the flow of things, and it, it, it like, kind of sets the scene for the, the rest of the season, or at least the, the beginning of the rest of the season. Because it, it bridges the gap between Newtopia and getting back to where it would, and it's, because we've already done the whole journey thing, they don't have to do that again, so they can just kind of, this is a good episode to play catch-up, basically. And it's also just, it's got some funny gags, and it kind of sort of slopes up into the rest of the season. Alright, thank you, Pickle. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on Night Drivers? Yeah, I mean, I, I love this episode, if I'm being honest. Like, Polly and Spriggs, um, dynamic, like, it, it just, it, it just does not have enough episodes in the series, because I think we just have, like, like, what do we have? I think we just have, like, Civil War and, Civil War and, Poor I don't know, that one episode before they get to Utopia. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah, and, like, shit, that's just three, and, like, I don't know, like, every time, I, every time I watch an episode, I'm always like, God, I wish we just had more of this, because they're just so fun together, especially when they're just, you know, working together and just, you know, going through crazy stuff, like what happened in this episode, so. Yeah, all right, I mean, yeah, really, really a fun episode, and just a good way to get us back out on the track here from Pivia. All right, thank you, Nick. And yeah, this episode starts off with, like, Hop-Hop and Anne are just exhausted from driving I think Anne mentions it was like 20 hours straight. And, uh, you know, while they're like sleep deprived, Polly and Sprig are like full of energy and excited to return to Warwood. But Anne and Hop, I've got to stop for a few hours just to get a bit of rest. Also, during that, uh, I love how like Polly's thinking about those like those pancakes we'll see next episode. I think it. I think those were the same pancakes we'll see in uh, not the next episode, but uh, the first temple, like the pill pill bird bug pancakes. Whatever. Ooh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, know, and then Sprig is just thinking about Ivy, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I will say I really love this opener because it just I don't know, like I it just. I, I just love it when, like, the planters are just sort of, like, divided into their own subgroups. Like, you know, when it comes to the more responsible stuff, you know, Anne and um, Hop-Hop, you know, they're taking care of that. They're all on that. Then Sprig and Polly, you know, they're just kids getting to be kids just chilling out in the flag. And I just... It, it also just reminded me of, like, that sort of divide between me and my younger siblings where, like, I have a job, I'm in college, I have all these things that make me tired. And then, like... They'll be demanding, like, I do all this stuff with them, and I'm just like, damn it, don't do this to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you guys have gone for that too, right? Where you just, you're just too exhausted. <laughs> and so, when, when I just saw, like, the, when I just saw, like, the difference between, like, 
um Anne and um Spriggs group, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to relate to that in my family because like I'm the younger one, but uh, I guess when I'm hanging out with the uh, like younger cousins and like came back from like came back from work and visiting somewhere, it's like, man, I just want to like lie down, but. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I'm getting pulled. I'm getting tugged on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> like, like I just got back home from work, and I just want to like, I just want to take a nap for an hour or two. But because I promised, I do something for them. Like before I go to work, apparently I have to do that first. Like, like I feel like they just, I don't know. That, that's just so captured well by this family, and that's that's what I just really love about the planters here. Also, it's just nice for them to like the group to be sort of broken up like that because usually when you think about the planters it's just like you know spraying against the world right so it's just yeah it is kind of nice to like explore this family in different ways so yeah i know it's only it's an open that only lasts for like 10 seconds but i don't know man i, I just love it yeah i like how like Anne was about to like fall off and like hop out has to like just casually like pulls her back up with his tongue while also exhausted but and there's like no urgency yeah, yeah. there's like no urgency in his face it's just <laughs> yeah. this, this is what this is why Anne's responsible in season three. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and uh, yeah, you know, like Sprig and Polly are like begging them to like just drive a few more hours, and they're like, nah. Just like they just like, immediately lie down on the bed, face flat. Like, and I like how Sprig and Polly like bring up their their quarrelers pass experience. And we also get that nice bit of continuity how uh Anne was the only one who read Bessie's manual. That's why like she's the only one allowed to drive other than Hop Hop. Yeah, it's all those little things, man. Like it really just it, like it, it really just gives the planters relationship with one another weight, just knowing that like knowing like these episodes might not like build into into like a huge plot that shakes the status quo, but no, but it, it gives it gives the play, it gives um the characters more weight. Like it, it makes the relationships more rounded. Just having little tiny notes like that between them, like I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah, and especially and I like how uh yeah, like when hop up, hop up. I love how like the casual delivery of like Bill Farmer. It's like oh you when they offer to drive the flag it's like oh you poor ignorant like ignorant chick kids or something like and then he goes goes into like paranoid mode about like the creatures lurking at night in amphibia yeah dude oh my god i, I was flashbacking do you remember like that um that tubi promo where it's like where it's it's like the song that's playing a pop-up saying amphibia changes at night that is like boom, 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 boom. like do you remember that like that whole that one promo thing uh, oh, was that like right. a? TV? If I had it right here, it was like. Was it like a TV spot? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a TV spot. Yeah. The paranoid like, hop up is is great. Pop it was like up paranoid though. hop hop. It was it showed chi- it was like it, it was just clips. It was clips pulled straight from Night Drivers and Return to War. But like, oh, just really right, it was just but, those two episodes. Yeah, it was, so like, it was like new all new amphibia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, as soon as Hop Hop said that, like, I, 
instantly in my head, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I remember this one promo that was used of it. I, I remember, I, I, I come back, it was like such a, such a replayable promo, too, because like the beat was so fun to listen to. Like, if I had it right here, I would send it in, but. Ugh, okay, now, now I'm just going to look for it. I'll just look for it. Like, the, all those, like, small TV spots for, like, season two, I think, uh, there was one before we got the official trailer, was, like, from, uh, Battle of Hoppadai Player and Hunter, like, that was also, like, surprisingly, like, really good, but it, was, it wasn't ever uploaded online officially, it was just, like, a TV spot, but, yeah, th they're always great. Yeah, so while, uh, So so while Anne and Hop Hop pretty much just like crash and like go to sleep for a few hours, uh, you know, Sprig and Polly are on top of the flagon, frustrated, but eventually Sprig comes up with a scheme to like just pretty much drive Bessie. Pretty much drive Bessie for the like the next few hours. So then, while yeah, we can hear you, Nick. Uh, pretty much drive a few hours while and hop up or like fast asleep, and then like you know eventually they'll be too. Wait, I think Sprig mentioned that it's like once they get to, like once they get to Warwood, like they won't be mad at them for driving. Was that right, Pickle? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. So, I think right before they take the wheel, like, uh, the, we, we get the flashbacks of, uh, not flashbacks, we get to see what Hop-Up and Anne are dreaming about, and, uh, I guess starting with Hop-Up, like, I just thought it was, like, hilarious that, like, we got to see all of his, uh, greatest fears, and well, what did they look like? I think it was, uh... It was it was those giant bug things, those like death and Yeah, I think it was like death and then heartbreak and like yeah, old like age. Old age too, I think, yeah. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, we can hear old age and death were different. Yeah, they're they're on different ones. Maybe not old age, just like mobility like lack of like unable to like do anything, like Mobility? I, I don't know. And then the last one, I'm trying to like zoom in on it. Okay, I, I they they kind of like skip over it. I I just remember that everyone was talking about how Hopup's fear of death was clearly foreshadowing that he's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like those oh, were yeah. the days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's like they're making old people jokes. I was so yeah. sure of that the whole time, and I was glad I was right. Because it's like they've been making fun of the idea of this old man dying since day one. So it's like you know, <laughs> yeah. Like Nick, do you, the same thing happened during Gravity Falls. Like everyone thought Stan was gonna die. It's like even the slightest thing of like a paper mache thing, paper sock puppet coming on fire it's like oh stan's gonna die and like same thing for amphibia it's like any time like 
Hop Hop like trips the wrong way. It's like, oh man, Hop Hop's gonna, you know, you never know. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it, 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 I don't know. It, it's just, it's just funny how these things work. Like, I don't. Know, I guess people just get so hyped up for like, I don't. It's it's really just. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's just kind of impossible. Like, I feel like there's. I guess there's just this. When you have these number of coincidences, coincidence. I can't, why can I not talk tonight? Like, coincidence. <laughs> I can't coincidences. talk. Coincidences. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why you can't talk, but yeah, when you have that happen quite a, like quite a few times, I guess like all this hype starts building up, and suddenly everyone builds up this huge theory, and it's like, I don't know. I feel like if you just step back and, and you just look at things from a different perspective, like, oh, okay, I can see why this makes no sense. I just think that it's, like, I wouldn't call it exactly a coincidence. I, I would just call it, like, people misinterpreting the jokes about him being old as, like, foreshadowing when it's just they're making fun of him for being old. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, because it's, like, come on, it's Hot Pop. The show's been bullying him. The show will bully Hop Pop about literally anything. So they will bully him about his fear of death. Like, they've been, they've been always, they've always been doing it, too. Like, there's just... Seriously, like you go back to season one, there are just there are these there are so many like super dark and horrifying lines this old man just drops. Like I I think there's one in Civil War where like they're about to watch the movie and he's like, Ah, a great way to distract us from our deep, deep, terrifying thoughts. And like he just kills the mood for everyone for a good ten seconds before they get before they finally sit down to go check out the movie. Like Hop Hop's been saying stuff like that since episode one. That's never changed. And yet somehow everyone missed the Marcy death flags until it actually happened. <laughs> uh. No one saw that one coming. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and they're yeah, literally that, like that, screaming that it in our yeah. face. Yeah, like, yeah, Mars is especially an interesting one because I guess yeah, when you when you do like look back at with look back at things of hind, I, I I think yeah, that is one of my favorite things about like Marcy. It's just the fact that like everything doesn't click until you have that huge revelation, pretty much. You know, and then eventually, like Hop Hop realizes he can control this dream and immediately takes control and just like. Just starts flying and then rips his shirt off and with joy and all of his like ears become like little like little tiny cute animals like it's just it's just great and and thank hey I mean let's just be I feel like I just want to say like let's just be happy that Hop Hop conquered you know one of his fears later on you know like the fear of old age with Mother Own like I just realized that. They had him like they had him like accept it. Yeah, like yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking back in hindsight, like the fact that this is one of his biggest fears, and he got that. I like that. Yeah, and I like how it's like Hop Hop's dream like started off as like a nightmare, and then became a dream, and then for Anne, we we get to see the opposite, where she's like in this like candy land and. You know, when she finds out the guy, like, that ice cream guy's made of licorice, it's like everything, like, falls apart. 
Yeah, I mean, in poor girl though, like she's like she's gotten used to eating bugs and actually kind of likes it now. But like, dude, she just wants to eat some normal food. Like, poor Anne. I I understand that. Yeah, the music is like super like upbeat. Yeah, I can't I can't wait till TJ Hill like releases this because it's like. Oh yeah. Hundred thousand percent. Yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, God. Yeah, like I, I never realized how good the music is in some amphibia episodes until I just like you know, and stop and just try to like listen to it. Like yeah, like this just sounds really, I don't know, just really entertaining. Honestly, it, it sounds like the, it sounds like a Dance Dance Revolution song. <laughs> Ooh yeah yeah no I I can hear it. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, it cuts, like, back to both of their expressions while asleep, but it's, like, Hop-Off's, like, super, like, peaceful, and Anne's just suffering, and... <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, and then while they're asleep, like, Polly and Sprig take control of the wagon. You know, they do a little flip, and they're having fun, and complimenting each other's uh, night driving skills and then eventually they get to the this like gorge with falling with falling rocks and uh, they're unfazed until like one of them Sprig calls them pebbles and then until one of these pebbles quote pebbles unquote with like with bones in them like frog bones in them somehow like just drops really close to them they start freaking out and get Bessie through quick I guess the only thing I can really talk about is like the, the weird gag where like when they're going through this like these falling rocks and Hop Up and Anne are just like getting tossed around and conveniently go into a uh, like position where like Hop Hop is looks like looks like a like a pig like a stuffed pig <laughs> like that was just such a weird gag. Yeah, so I, I feel like I've, I see it. I feel like you know you see that kind of joke in a lot of TV shows, right? Where like, well, really, just you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, I'm not sure thing. which one though, or which ones. Yeah, because yeah, I swear, I've, yeah, I know what you mean. Because I feel like I've I've seen it in like a. I feel like it's because it's been in so many TV shows that you just don't like. You just can't point out another one. Like I feel like it's one of those like sort of like universal jokes like that. Like like what is it called? Like that Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm. The Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually they get out of that. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of like visual like gags in this episode where like. Sprig and Polly are just like going through the this forest. And like they're like looking out and seeing all the different creatures. Like there's like one bird that just shouts out murder. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like they show like a mouse like a like a mouse getting like eaten by a snake and a bunch of eyes that belong to like that looks like it's like multiple creatures, but it's actually just one crawling up. It's like... 
Mm. Oh, and then and then eventually they they find a hitchhiker. And I I guess since we're just discussing this episode, we can just call him Zechariah. Like, like they they find this hitchhiker. They're approaching him, and then they realize like he has like a hook for a hand and looks like all scarred and terrifying. They immediately like drive off. Like, God, yeah, this is this is just such a creepy episode. Like, on on so many levels, like just like it. Because there's so much danger around them, and the fact that they're out, like because of the flagon, like the flagon is a place of comfort, man. Like when you look inside it, like it just looks so damn comfy, and the fact that they're just outside, exposed to such this creepy environment, like I, I hate it. Like it's so unnerving. And like what's funny is that this episode even aired in October. And it would have been perfect, but like I mean, that's just scheduling. Yeah, like. So many of these episodes like have like a like so many amphibia episodes. It's like I guess we know we, we have episodes like Night the Inn, Children of the Spore, Root of Evil. Like those are all like the uh I guess not officially a Halloween episode, but but could pass off as a Halloween episode. Then you have the Shudden, which is an actual Halloween episode. And then you have like episodes like Night Driver and maybe I'm not sure what else could be, like, Halloween-ish episodes, but not to the same extent as, like, the the first few I mentioned earlier. I, I wouldn't call Amphibia, like, a horror show, or, like a, like, a PG horror show, even. But it does do, like, a surprisingly large amount of it for a show that isn't about that. Yeah, like, I guess, yeah, they really did set up the world well to sort of, like, you know, have episodes like these and not let it feel inorganic. Like, yeah, not let it feel inorganic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it it does. Like, this does feel. I mean, this is a very weird episode. Like, a lot of weird stuff happens. Like that. Like, like, like the not to jump forward too quickly, but like you know, that one miss that's like Polly Spring. <laughs> like, what the hell was that? But like, it it somehow just feels right for Amphibian because like it's already been set up to be this dangerous and weird place since um, season one. Yeah, and even when they, they pass through the foggy fjords, like, they, they hear the voices, and they see all, like, the large creatures just, like, walking about. It's, like, really, like... I, I know it's just meant in the... I wish we got to, like, see what those creatures actually were, but of course this was just meant for this episode, just to, like, just make the setting feel a lot more creepier and unsettling. But, it's like, those things were, those they, things were they huge. Done... Like... Oh, go ahead, Pickle. They, they could have done something with, like, the Moss Men or the, the, um the shadow fist just to like get people all up in their seats again about it but i feel like that could have kind of diverted the episode because then everyone would just be like thinking about that instead of the actual episode which you know it doesn't actually have to do with those specific creepy creatures yeah that's true yeah it would have been cool to see like a like a moss like a, a shadow fish looking about but yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't add up to anything the same way the the moss man did And I like how even in the uh, 
in the fog, Sprig gets to Sprig still makes that that foggiest idea joke, and Polly punches him for it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, because I because like it's I, I just love it because like um when I heard the first time right right before Polly you know, because like when I heard the first time I was like oh this Sprig just make a pun was that on purpose and Polly punched him <laughs> like I was like oh <laughs> like I don't know I I just love that moment. Yeah, then eventually they, they, they see uh they see the ghost, uh Zechariah again. They start freaking out. I love all of uh all of Polly's like close up shots in this episode. Like I think earlier she makes the joke about like being eaten eight times and they zoom in and her voice changes, like and then here they <laughs> they, they make the, the, the don't make eye contact joke and it just shows like Polly and uh it just shows Polly like just like staring. Her eyes are huge with uh, Zechariah. <laughs> I just love that expression yeah, she makes. <laughs> yeah, like oh yeah, <laughs> like this. Yeah, Paul's expressions were on point this episode. Like yeah, I I just love when Zechariah he just shows it again. Their eyes just pop out of her socket. Like dude, that's so fucking funny. Oh yeah, that mode happens later on. I thought you were talking about this the the one that we have as an emote. Oh oh sorry about that. No 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 yeah you're right though. Yeah, that was also <laughs> I think Bessie does the same thing later too, uh It's it's always a cartoon it's it's always a quality cartoon joke when they have like the eyes go boiling. Yeah, and then uh <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Pickle. Uh, that that's all. Okay. Yeah, so they see Zechariah again. Uh, he points in one direction. The kids just decide to go the other. Uh, you know, this path is like super, like, like super dangerous. Uh, we we get that shot of them going through the fog, and like a bunch of like monsters are trying to grab them, and then we get to actually see like. A cameo by Frobo in this moment, trying to reach them, which is weird. I we're still not sure. We'll talk about Frobo later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just like a nice cam. I thought that was the only cameo we'd get of Frobo in this episode, but then we get something a little more substantial later on. I guess the trying to tease him because he doesn't get introduced much yeah he gets he'll yeah right he'll get introduced like later on they just want to remind us that he's still there uh yeah eventually they think they've escaped this evil spirit but then they 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 feel they feel the classic like ghost thing where you feel like a chill on your back and he's like on top of the wagon and uh he grabs the reins and Sprig and Polly fight him over like fight him over it. Like, you know, Zechariah like Zechariah like grabs Polly by the bow and she like lunges at him. <coughs> I guess yeah, this is just kind of like a like a struggle slash chase and well not chase, just like it's it's a struggle on top of this flagon, and then eventually uh, 
they pull back the eventually Bessie comes to a stop and Polly and Sprig are, are still end up okay and find themselves right outside the valley. Uh I kinda just went over like that last that a bunch of like a bunch of that episode, but yeah, I think I think do we want to talk about the the twist of the episode now, or yeah, I, I think I think we've covered everything. Yeah, yeah. Like when we find out that, uh, like once they get to like the edge of this like mountain that's right outside the valley, they find a statue of the spirit that was chasing them named Zechariah Nettles, who used to like guide travelers like on like a safer path or used to guide travelers like through the, through the valley and like there's there are rumors that his like spirit still guides people today and then like you kind of find out that like this guy was like basically trying to save Polly and Spring this entire time and I really like how when you revisit the episode you can see like all the actions he was taking to like try and like look out for them <laughs> When they thought yeah. he was trying to kill them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's also just... Oh, wow. Like, I didn't even think about this, but I guess, like, ghosts are real in Amphibia. Like, they're actual, real, genuine ghosts. Like, <laughs> is, is he the only ghost we've ever met? Or were there others? Like, this opens up a whole new thing. Yeah, I think this is the only one. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking, like, are there gonna be are there gonna be any vengeful spirits want to take down the court? <laughs> just imagine that. You're gonna have to go to the ghost in Malmiki for that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I like those small details of like uh, I think even when Polly was like, Polly was about to like fall off the flag and like he actually saved Polly. <laughs> Like, that's why he grabbed her, right? Like, yeah, I think so. And he was also, like, steering the cart on the edge of the cliff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no, I see, yeah. No, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like Polly... the fact that, like... Polly and Sprig yeah, were, like, trying to steer like, off, the, like, off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, did oh, you oh, say... Oh, yeah, you're right. No, no, you're wrong, you're not wrong. Because, like, yeah, the way they were steering, they would have fucking fallen off the cliff and died. Like, he was... <laughs> They're like, he was making. They were making his job so hard. Yeah, like I, I don't think he only has like one expression, but it's like he's probably like thinking like these stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man. Uh, it's like I haven't gone to heaven yet because of these kids. <laughs> The uh, I don't know. I I was yeah. I'm re I'm rewatching the scene where he saves Polly. I'm like yeah. She he literally tries to tackle him and he just fucking like he just dodges. He's like he's like oh shit. <laughs> like he just dodges and he has to quickly save her. It's so funny. Yeah and uh... yeah. It's nice to know that like not everything in Amphibia is like out to out to kill them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Sprig and Polly make this realization, and 
around this time, like, Hop-Hop and Anne wake up. And I like how Hop-Hop's like, you, you kids better not have disobeyed me, and just sees the sign. Oh, yeah, that's such a good joke. <laughs> like, the timing, like, everything's on point. Yeah, then we get, like, and then Anne notices, like, Sprig and Polly, and then they're just, like, del they're, like, just delirious. I guess they can't punish kids who are having a mental break, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah I love how yeah they're just driven to insanity. I just love that they have one hell of a night. Like I don't, I don't even like this is probably the most. I think it, this might. I feel like yeah, this might be the most bizarre that like that the world of amphibia has ever just gotten. I know we had like a cult. I know we had like mind control sports, but this is just like this is so out there in a completely different direction. Like at least everything else had like just sort of do with like. Oh, I don't want to call like mind controlling sports tangible things, but like at least it has something to do with like you know the monster of the city. Here it's just like, what the hell is going on? Like this just feels like something so out of like a normal territory in the city. Like I, I love it and it does fit, but it's also just holy shit, right? Like it's just there's just like so much to it. Yeah, just like it's like a ghost helping them out. That's like yeah, yeah. At least with amphibia, like the mind control stuff, it's like all like tangible. Or has its own, like, insane explanation. Yeah. Like, here it's just, like, they experienced all this because they just took a wrong turn, and there's no going back for them at that point. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, like, Anne and Sprig, Anne and Hop Up grab the kids and head out back into the val, head towards Wartwood and Anne and Hop-Hop talk about their dreams briefly. And then the episode ends with the shot of Frobo, like, not too far behind them. Like, slowly, like, making his way into the valley. Oh, and, uh... Crap. Frobo just gets... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I I'm pretty much done. Yeah, now I was gonna say, like, holy crap, Frobo just gets, like... So many teas. Like I, I forgot. Like I, I forgot that he. I forgot. Like he just had this many. Like I, I feel like I'm just used to like you know the first couple of teases he gets from like form the road to like you know and um and yeah, what was it and hunter you know stuff like that. Like I, I was just used to like that. But dude, my God, he's just everywhere in season two before only, before he finally drops in on friend of Frollo. Even I wouldn't say it was like everywhere. It was like Fort in the Road, uh, Anna Hunter, Battle of Hoppadai Planner, uh, Lost in Utopia. No, I, I think it was the Marcy at the Gates too, wasn't it? Was it Marcy at the Gates too? I, I know Lost in Utopia. Like it opens with him in the same spot as them. Like he's like stuck in there, like stuck in the spot that Anne and the players first see in Utopia. Okay. Uh, and I think this is his last, like, teaser episode, like, teaser, like, his last cameo before he makes his debut, right? Yeah, I, th I think so, yeah. Might be. Okay, so I guess... And, of course, he should have been friend of Robo, and then he's, then he's sort of part of the main cast. Right. 
I guess, is there anything we want to talk about Frobo here? Because I think this is going to be our last, like, chance. Like, I have some, I, I have stuff to talk about. I think Nick probably knows what I want to say about these, these teasers. Um, okay, I mean, I was gonna say, like, this, like, um... Yeah, I don't know, um... No, it was, like, a whole thing I was thinking of, it was the whole thing I was thinking of, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I've been thinking about Lady of Amphibia and just, you know, what it likes to do with its plot and story and just... Yeah, I feel like episodes like Night Drivers just kind of show what it's all about when it comes to Amphibia, right? Just because nowadays, you know, when people think about, you know, plot and how shows develop themselves around that, it's all about, you know, the, the next big step, how we're getting to, like, this huge status quo crazy episode but yeah I, I do feel like that thought has sort of made people forget about you know what other things shows can do and i feel like for me you know amphibia is an example of you know what else they can do when it comes to their story right because here it's not about when you have an episode like night drivers it's it's not about you know how this is going to help them defeat Andrews or something with a core like god that's like such a joke it's a joke i think too many times but um it's just about getting to explore polly and spriggs like dynamic a little more you know getting to see them work together more just making the experience with these characters feel more rounded and to me like it is amazing that they do that with a show like amphibia right where its heart is about these characters just meeting each other by chance and going through all these different experiences and life-changing events that they wouldn't have if they never met each other, right? And and so we need episodes like these where where it's just about Polly and Sprig just driving a caravan through the night because it's just about all the crazy things they get up to because they got they had the chance of meeting Anne of all people, right? And like, I'm just dropping more and more stuff here, but that's also why it's episodic. Why we just have so many random episodes that just, where they just do random things. Because we want the full experience of these characters being together. And that's just another way you can develop your story. It doesn't just have to be about how it's going to develop like into this huge plot point. No, it, it can also just be about having fun with a character and that's what i just love about this show yeah sorry about that thought <laughs> sorry, like, I, just, I, just, I just dumped that whole thing but all right now's your chance i'm sorry <laughs> oh, like, i'm glad you i'm glad you you brought that up nick like i, I was just asking about frobo but uh <laughs> like yeah no 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 no. i, I still appreciate like i'll, I'll come i'll come back to that yeah. i'll come back to what you what you just said like about uh I guess the story, like this, the story of like Aunt Polly and Sprig, like needing we need to have this like little adventure. I'll, I'll get back to that yeah. later. But I guess I guess with Frobo, like since this is our kind of like our last chance to talk about him, like like we just saw him like walking basically, and I probably mentioned this in like past uh, past recordings. Maybe I maybe I mentioned this with the the Ant Hunter and Ballad of Hoppadai Planner, but, like, you kind of wonder, like, why is, why are we just seeing Frobo, like, walk? And maybe I'm looking too much into it, but, 
I feel like I said this in the past, but it feels like Frobo's purpose showing him just having him on screen helps us like helps the audience like buy like get like get used to the idea of like this technologically advanced like thing in a world like Amphibia. And I know Fort in the Road kind of like shows us, oh, this was in the past, but like this is literally like Frobo is literally like the past catching up to our main characters. And you know, eventually like Friend or Frobo, they have them interact, but then the moment True Colors happens, the moment when Andreas activates the box and like all these factories start like become operational again, it's like there's less of a disconnect between like the audience and what's going on because like we see like oh, okay we remember this we remember all the times where like Frobo was just like hanging out, hanging out walking around and it's like there, there's more like build up like Frobo isn't wasn't going to be like the the only like Frobot in this world like we we're going to see like way more of him that like our characters would have to eventually fight. And yeah, that's just my Frobo, my Frobo point. No, I mean, I totally get what you mean there, because it, it does, because, it, yeah, that, that, honestly, yeah, 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 because when you do step back and you take a look at season two, a lot of this does feel like, yeah, because, I, I mean, we, we, we do get the chance to explore a lot of parts of Amphibia that are just, that just easily trump the main cast by age. I mean, like, you know, Newtopia, the temples, the lore of the box, like, all these, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm going down Andrews too. I'm about, Andrews, the core, like, yeah, there, is, there does feel like this sort of connective feel of this past greater world of Amphibia, like, catching up with the main cast here. And I guess, like, yeah, having Frobo, yeah, Frobo there, you know, add, adding Frobo to that main cast, it does feel like a neat way to show these two things coming together. And I guess, like, yeah, maybe, maybe... Maybe Fobo didn't make as huge of a splash that like we all thought it would have, but like I think I think it's still like you know it's still nice. I think I think there's there's still something to enjoy from them. So yeah, yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, I know Fobo can be kind of controversial as a character just because honestly, myself and a lot of people feel like he was underutilized or just didn't didn't get like as much attention as he could have gotten for all the build up just because of everything else going on. But I feel like as a plot point, he works really, really well as like a tool. He does a he, um, having him as a character does a good job of kind of making the shift from season from like like a large person of the show to like suddenly having the robots feel like less of a slap in the face genre shift and more of like a we've seen this coming from like the robots popping up now and then. And he also he kind of he works for making. He works well with Polly, of especially he he's good for making her go through her development, and he's he's good for kind of providing like solutions to things that the plot might not want to have to deal with, like how how and the planters have to get into the third temple. They just have Frobo like open it, and it makes things a lot more simple instead of doing some kind of like weird gymnastics. Right, and. uh... I guess before we get to like the final thoughts on Night Drivers, uh, I I think whoever was like around during the time this episode like premiered, uh, like this episode 
like I wouldn't call it a leak, but this episode did air like early on. Uh, I think it was in Greece, South Africa, and also Saudi. So it's not a leak. It just like aired, officially aired in another country that wasn't America. And uh, you know, since it's not uh, since it's not American, then it can't be. It can't. It can't be real. Like it can't. It can't be real. It can't exist. How can it exist outside of this? <laughs> outside of this region, it defies all logic. Like no. Like we gotta go back to inches, guys. Like <laughs> we, we forget. Forget metric. Forget. Forget everything. Just it's a leak. We can't talk about it until it airs in America. But. <laughs> Yeah, this episode aired early alongside uh I I guess I forgot how like early it was, but it, it wasn't too far. It was like about like like two or three weeks. And honestly, like the fan like the fandom wasn't like too big at the time, so it wasn't really a big deal. Like I can still see like <laughs> It's it's so funny to me, like, even now, when I see people using that, uh, using clips from that version, that release of the, of Night Driver slash Return of Warwood, and I know where, like, I know when they got it from. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. But it was, I mean, it was a pretty, uh, pretty amusing time back then, though, because like I know th there was like a lot of hype going to two B. So when this, like, when this happened, right, like everyone was like, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!" Like, like I, 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 I remember like, was it? I think it was someone on the subreddit, right? Someone on the subreddit who said they saw this, and like, yeah, a lot of attention was given to that. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's. I mean, also, it is pretty funny that, like, yeah, Night Drivers and Return of the War, where they still, they're still pretty low-key episodes, but, like, just, just, like, the fact they got leaked, like, there was just, okay, I, I guess I shouldn't be, I, I, I shouldn't be using the word leak after talking to that whole thing, but, like, still, I don't know. Re released, it's, released early in another region. Yeah, released early. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Release earlier than than my fellow Americans would be comfortable with. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's um, like I don't know. It, it just damn it. Um, I it's just funny because I just remember there was just so much like crazy. I don't know. There was just such a large reaction. I, I remember seeing and like it was just for two of the, yeah, probably two of the most low-key episodes of 2B, pretty much, like, seriously. They're just about us getting back to work with. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was an interesting time. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess, like, yeah, even Matt was confused. He was like, wait, what, leaked? And then, like, you just find out it was, like, another region. He's like, oh, okay, like, I, I think, what was the confusion about? Was it because because Night Drive, like, there was so much confusion about this episode and the shut-in, like, what came before, like, what, and technically, like, 
Like, the shut-in aired first, even though it was the episode after Night Driver, Sasha Return to Warwood, because of, like, just a match-up with Halloween, but that always, like, caused confusion. Like, even, even when I was, like, thinking about the podcast last week, I was like, wait, didn't the shut-in come after Night Driver, so shouldn't we record <laughs> this before? I was like, nah, nah, just follow, like, the episode <laughs> release, like, don't... Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Yeah, like it, it just, yeah, like it just was weird. But looking back, but I guess it's just how Disney just you know wanted stuff to go. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess pickle. Any any final thoughts on uh, Night Drivers? Uh, I, I guess Nick. Any any final thoughts on? Night Drivers. I don't know, really fun episode. Like like I said before, I, I would have loved just having... Like, I absolutely would have just loved having more um, epi- you know, more episodes that just focus on, you know, Polly and Spree's siblinghood, but hey, nah, it's completely fine that like this is the last one we have, but I mean, it's still, it's still a really good one to go out with. Alright, thank you, Nick. Uh, Pickle, any final thoughts on Night Drivers? Uh, Pickle, we, we can't hear you, so j- j- I'm not sure if you, you can hear us, but... I, I guess my final thoughts on Night Drivers was... Uh, I had a lot of fun with this episode, it was a lot of like, funny gags, and it was nice to see Spring and Polly kind of like... We saw, we saw like, Corlers Pass where they were, like, at odds, and then now, like, Night Drivers was a nice like, continuation, except now they're, like, both on the same page. It, it's not them fighting each other, it's just them, like, facing whatever's, like, on the road. You know, it's a nice bit of, like, it's like we're, we're past that point for Spring Polly, at least in this, at this moment, but... Yeah, and then like the hand, the and hop hop stuff was like their dream sequences were hilarious. Uh yeah, I really liked the twist with the uh, Zechariah Nettles. That was fun, and all the lighting, all the lighting, all like all the scene, like all the scenes of this episode were like very nicely done. And how creepy they were, especially the sunrise. The sunrise by the end was really nice too. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, we can hear you, Pickle. Uh, what What are your thoughts <laughs> on uh what What are your final thoughts on Night Drivers? Um, solid episode overall. It's it's like good for kind of getting you back in the mood of Amphibia, and is and it's like it's chill enough that you don't have to like suddenly be all in it. But it's like it sets it kind of like sets the tone back to how like all the goofy, silly Amphibia episodes. And, you know, of course, back then, all the, like, Frobo tidbits meant a lot, and it was really exciting to see him. Alright, thank you, Pickle. So with that, we can move on to... Return to Wartwood. So, Return to Wartwood was written by Adam Colas, storyboards by Alicia Rocha and Silver Paul, and directed by Kyler Spears. I feel like I don't need to ask you guys for your 
Well, I, I will ask you guys for your general thoughts, but I know we all were all thinking this was like an S tier episode, like, like it was. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is this is a banger, man. Like, I don't, this is a banger. Like, I don't know, I don't know this I'll say, yeah. And and I know we haven't been shutting about shutting up about the soundtrack, but especially this episode with the like Chekhovsk song. Yeah, like. A lot of great stuff in this one. And, uh... Yeah, even speaking of music, like, we immediately open up with, uh... Assuming right after Night Drivers, where they're arriving into Wartwood, Hop-Off's thinking about the humidity, and... he's miss He missed the smell of manure, manure as well, and... Polly spots Wartwood... Sprig pulls out the fiddle and starts singing that song about, like, the social hierarchy in Amphibia. What was it? Like, uh, a, a newt told a frog... A, a newt told a toad to give a f job to a frog, but don't let them escape poverty. Yeah. And, uh, like, I don't know, I, I, <laughs> I would yeah. get mad at Mrs. Croker, like, talking over Sprig, but, like, thank God we have people who, who manage to, like, you know, bring out what Sprig said, but yeah, no, it, it is, I don't know, it, 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 it's just a bit, it's a pretty interesting way to explain how the social caste system works in Amphibia, right, like, wow, like, it, it just explains so much about, you know, why certain elements in Season 1 work the way they did. Yeah, we got to see all and that like, form in the the core and the king, where we saw basically saw that happen with Andrews. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was just yeah, like that's just, I feel like yeah, that, that's that's why the episodes like the core and the king just felt like such a good watch. Like just not just seeing um Andrews being explored as a character, but also just like the fact that yeah, the like, sort of like the I guess the world building like like it felt like we were rewarded for getting invested in Thibia's world building, right? Because um, since season one, like that's when we found out about the conflict, right, between like the frogs and toads, and then we explained it. And then we um, got introduced um, into like you know Newt the Newt Society, and, just, and we got to understand just you know who's really the top dog of the Phoebe here. And so when we finally get the origin, like I don't know, there's just something that's that felt so rewarding about it, even so it didn't change anything, and it was just an explanation. It's just wow, like I, I just love how this. Because it's there's this arbitrary division between races that was only sprouted because of someone's bitter feelings um towards their best friends and it's just yeah when you're already so into the world building of the show like it's just so awesome to hear it yeah I mean the <laughs> the amphibia cast system is something I could talk for way too long about I, I mean, it sounds wrong but I just I really love the way that amphibia does like the like species based racism type thing in their story just works so well with world building and it like I mean like you said with the later context it also makes sense why things have ended up like this and it you know just a really interesting thing and it's it's always funny when they just bring it up flat because for most of the show it's very much either like implied or like you only talk about those like simple parts like the oh the the toads and frogs hate each other but they don't really get into the like the why and the like how 
except and sometimes they just hit you in the face with, oh yeah, this is a song about exactly what we've been hitting at in the background. Or like when, when Mercy brings it up earlier in the season, just like casually in conversation, it gets glossed over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that, that is so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna like just in agreement. Yeah, like all this background lore is nice to have, and we we got the explanation for it, and just makes the world more like. I don't want to say. Yeah, I, I guess I could say more real. At least to the character. At least to this world. This world feels more. I, I just said. I just realized. I said. This world feels more real to this world, but it, <laughs> it, it, it like we get to see like the inner, yeah, just seeing the social hierarchy in this world and how that came to pass and all these little mentions of it. It doesn't feel like it gives us a better understanding of like why these characters operate the way the way they do with other races or other species in this case. Uh. Before I move on, like, uh, Nick, you wanted to say something, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's just crazy how it's just so casually brought up and no one ever questions it. Because I think, yeah, that does... Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, that's just, like, I guess it's, like, a neat detail to sort of show how much their society has accepted this. Like, clearly, they don't like it, but it's just been the status quo for so long that they don't even bother being active about changing it. Right. And, uh... Yeah, Mrs. Croker recognizes the sound of Sprig's irritating voice and rings the bell and gets everyone's attention that the planners have returned. And, you know, the whole the whole town, like, gathers to, like, greet them again, and... We get to see. We just get to see all the townsfolk again. It's really nice how. I'll talk about like a not too. I'll talk about it in a few minutes, but like, we're we're basically reuniting with everyone. We're almost. We haven't seen most of these characters for almost. At at this point in, when this episode aired in like twenty twenty one. It was about, like, a year and a half. Because, yeah, sure, we saw Wally, we saw... Oh, wait, I just thought we had the shut-in. But the shut-in isn't canon, so we'll just ignore that. <laughs> for, for two, for one half years, like, we didn't officially see... Uh, other than Wally and Loggle... Like these are the the characters are reuniting after so long. Like we got to see, uh, I, I guess from the reference of like someone in season one, it's like we're seeing the cast interact with uh, interact with like the rest of the town after like after so long, basically. So it's like having returned to Wartwood felt that that's what really it kind of like brought up the nostalgia of season one. And you know, like Anne makes a little like wood woodworking joke with Loggle and Toadstool's being to being Toadstool with time of the market and 
you know, Wally, we got to we got to see his side quest or side adventure, but and then you know, Ivy gets to do her ambush. And it's all like nice, cute stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Like this is just a really solid reunion, man. I mean, it. Yeah, not only just like all the all the little callbacks, like like no, like like the callback to them meeting Wally on their journey. Yeah, it gives nice weight to two A. Then just all the little like you know callbacks to what we left behind from season one gives weight to that. Like it, it's just a really solid way to do reunion. I loved it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everyone reunites, and then Stumpy suggests that they can all catch up over like at his place. And that's when uh, Hop Hop can bring everyone's gifts over, and uh, you know you you see Polly and Hop Hop like freeze up, and everyone starts talking about gifts, and <laughs> Polly and uh, you know, Polly just immediately like like she immediately like draws out her like the acting skills she inherited from Hop-Hop and, like, immediately, like, gets them, like, all out of there, away from the townsfolk, and... I, I guess I'll keep going here, but it's, like... We, we see... <laughs> I'm sorry, I was rewatching <laughs> like, that. I just love that scene so much. Yeah, like, like that whole scene of, like, like... Like, them frantically searching for the... For the for the list, the, the wish list that they made, like, like Polly's like tossing stuff aside. We get to see like Michelangelo is still like, still like, relevant, and she like just tosses him out. Like, and we we find out like the one issue I think that people had with the beginning of the season two premiere was that we didn't see them say goodbye to the townsfolk. And then, like, this episode kind of explains, like, oh, wait, no, no, Paul, Polly and Hop-Up did say, like, did interact with all the townsfolk, and, like, they made a wish list of all the stuff that everyone wanted from Mortwood, and then they put the list in a special place where they wouldn't forget, and then they forgot, and then, like, now it's coming back, and <laughs> it's just like that just nice... like me for real? Pardon? Oh, I just said just like me for real. Yeah, like that was such a like relatable moment. It's like, oh, we forgot to get this for her, him, and oh, f fuck. <laughs> it's it's um, and I I know Nick's gonna bring this up. Like, I'll let Nick cover this, but yeah, like keep in mind that the main the main cast have never recorded together. Like, they've always recorded separately, but, like, this scene with all of them, like, interacting off one another was just, like, you, you, you wouldn't be able to tell, like, if you told me they were all in the same room recording this, like, I would believe you. Like, it's just, like, that's how, like, good the play, like, that's how good the main cast is. Like, Brenda Song, Justin Fieldberger, Amanda Layton, Bill Farmer, like, all of them are, like, like, work so well together. I know like 100,000 percent. Like I don't like. I, mean, I won't pop out for too long, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like this is like because when it comes to complimenting amphibia, like you know, one of the most common, you know, 
compliments you see is like you know the voice cast right like people absolutely love the voice performance of amphibia and this yeah a scene like this well you know honestly an easy one would be for me to just you know pull up a keep david scene like like, like let me let me like i could be a cheap motherfucker and just go be keep david but no nah, i want to do that no but this yeah this would be one of my go-to examples because it's just so amazing how they bounce off of each other comedically and you never would have guessed that they're all being you know recorded separately and i, I feel like part of that 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 does have to go to like you know like um i think, I think it's, a, it's it would be like the editor who handles this but like it's just it's not even just it, it, it's like everyone here working together but just like the voice cast themselves you know they're just so amazing at their job that it just feels like such a real and organic conversation going on here i just love it And, like, all these moments are, like, so hilarious. Like, Polly is, like, pulling out, like, her, like, her being, like, a baby card. And, like, Anne's immediately, like, comforting <laughs> her. And that just immediately shifts all the blame to Hop Hop. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I love that. Yeah, and then, like, I just, I just like Anne, yeah. Yeah, and then Sprig's freaking out about Ivy. And, like, Anne's freaking yeah. out about Sprivy. It's, like, all, like, yeah. <laughs> Look, I just love that. Like, like the, all the plan is, my God, like <laughs> the cop pops trying to, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know, like everyone's just on point here. Like, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but I just, yeah, everyone's just being so them. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. You guys know what I mean? Like, like they're. They all want the same thing at the end of the day, you know, like, I'm keeping this a secret so nothing bad happens, but, like, I love how it's all, like, it's all for their own reasons. Like, Polly, like, she wants, she just wants to be a baby who escapes responsibility. hop up just doesn't want to deal with any of this. Then, um, then, like, Spring's like, oh, shit, I can't sink my relationship with Ivy, then, and then Anne's just being a shipper, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know, I just love it. Like, everyone's personality here is just shining through. I like how all of them know that they're about to do something horrible, but they like all agree. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> You're, we're doing it. And then Anne's like, especially, <laughs> especially, yeah. especially suspicious. But she, she's doing it for Sprivey, which is a good reason, of course. Like, <laughs> like I, I, know, I just love it. <laughs> Everyone's true. here. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the facial expressions like every- are also amazing too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, it's just... Like, there's just so much personality to this, I feel like, is what I was trying to get at here. Like, you can really... Like, this is... Like, every planter... They're acting in a way that, like, that's just natural to them. You know what I mean? Like, that that's just what I love about this scene. And I like... P- people pointed out how... Hop-up... The way Hop Up like worded this, where he's like, "Oh, I'm sure we'll find a a way to bury this so no one finds out." It's like, ooh, like next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. It's like Hop Up doesn't even he's being on himself. God damn it! They were just messing with us at that point. Yeah, yeah. It actually, I don't know. It did occur to me that Hop Up kind of has a lying problem throughout the the show. Because he's his character trait is being very honest, but then like his character conflict is having that tested. Like yes. they do the whole thing with him, like yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because those are the values you want to live up to. But then, like, you just have like the tragedy of this past, like, constantly just like pretty much just stopping him, right? Like, from living up to like an ideal version of himself. It, it, it's just, you know, it's just really great. Like, makes him one of the best characters on the show, hands down. It's sort of it's sort of ironic in a way. Yeah, the irony right there. Like, like what what do people call that? Like an i like an ironic. There's like something like an ironic trait. I don't think they call it that, but it, it's something. Like I like I know what you're getting. Like I've heard it before. Yeah. Like I know how like cop ups supposed to be the adult, but like I know like like Nick Nick, you and I discussed like the like the seven deadly sins of hop hop. Like a lot of his episodes oh, are him yeah. like testing. Yeah. Like testing his like his virtue, but uh. Yeah, we get that quick joke with uh, we we go back to the planter farm and it's covered with tulips, and uh, you know Chuck makes a return this episode, where instead of let's go, yeah, he he grew tulips. There's a difference. <laughs> like I think I think Matt even said like Special. that was like a last minute detail, right? Yeah, it was a last minute thing. I'm glad they did it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so they got the blackboard out. They're coming up with ideas. And Sprig decides Sprig suggests calling in the Chickalist, which is some sort of like some sort of like elder god that uh just doesn't eat frogs but likes treasures. And he, he got the book from Maddie, which the book happens to be covered with skin. Which is just, you know, typical Maddie, but... <laughs> of course it is, yeah. And uh, the planners have no problem uh, doing a little bit of a... What, what did Hop Hop describe it as? Like, Eldritch Magic? Yeah, I think he said that, Eldritch Magic, yeah. Yeah, and then we get this quick montage of them, like, yeah. gathering, gathering... Gathering materials for the summoning... And uh yeah, okay, yeah, see this is this is what like I haven't gone before I haven't gone over this on the podcast before, but this is what just makes me look at Return of Warwood as if it's like a sort of parody of season one in a way. Like no no sorry, not a like a satire in a way, because it feels like they're sort of mocking how they develop season one episodes where like a lot of it where like obviously yeah, it takes place in Warwood, but then there's but then a lot of episodes center around a character just refusing to, like, you know, open up or just tell the truth on something, and so they go to extreme ways to cover that up, right? And, like, of course, then you just have, like, the, the silly montage, and dude, and, like, <laughs> they're trying to summon an Eldritch God here, what the fuck? Like, usually they're just running around collecting ingredients or something, right? Like, 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 usually they, they get a nap, and they just try to explore Warwood or something, right? Like that. But here they're trying to summon a fucking, like, god. An actual god just to get out of disappointing their friends and family. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that to me just feels like a funny way of looking back at season one just thinking, like, oh, wow, you know, I really, like, I don't know. Like, like you guys know what I'm getting at here? Like, it just, it just felt that way to me. Yeah, it just... Oh. They're just doing a little trolling. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, this. But actually, all the rewatch, 
Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. No, you go first, Pickle. Uh, okay. So, actually, I realized, that, like, on the rewatch, when they're doing that, that, like, montage, as they get all the stuff for summoning the god, they, like, there's, like, a scene where they get grabbed by some tentacles, and, like, I think that's a reused asset later on, like, in the, in the, like, I think it, I forget it was beginning of the end or all in when they get grabbed by all the robe arms of Darcy. Instead of that, I'm, I mean, if I can find the images, I'll send those in chat if I do. Oh, wow, that's. Yeah, that'd be good to. Yeah, I feel like I can, like. Yeah. I, like I can kind of see that in my head, yeah. I wouldn't expect that, but yeah, like, if that was the case, I don't think anyone in the fandom has brought that up before. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, Nick, I agree with the way, uh, this episode does feel like a parody, not parody, yeah, satire of, like, season one, where it's like, and mentions, oh, we already learned this lesson, it's like, but we're gonna do it anyway, it's, and, like, because, because it's, this episode, like, goes so over the top, that's what just makes it funny, it's just, yeah, it's not them like, like it's, just... it's not them like trying to co- like they they are still covering it up. But it's like this time it's like it's like nah like for, forget learning a little lesson. We're gonna summon a god, <laughs> and then like, yeah, exactly. even when we get to the moment with the with the summoning, it's like we like this is like amphibia like amphibia. This moment was like became like a meme. <laughs> Where they're like playing the for- play the forbidden notes. <laughs> play the forbidden oh yeah, notes. yeah, that is yeah, yeah. If there's any amphibian meme that's iconic as that one. Like I, I've seen so many iterations of that. Like I can't even find the original version online. Like like I, like I try and it's just like and it's like um like megalovania from Undertale or something. Like I swear. <laughs> like I mean. I I did make a version of the the forbidden note when the when the non-American version was released, but I, I kind of regret not posting it early because I was respecting the Americans. But just like so claim credit to being the first one, but oh well. <laughs> oh man, Tom, you could have no, you could have been the first one, Tom. No. How many fandom memes are you responsible for? You'd be surprised. But that's just me. That's just, that's just I know me, you mentioned the like. That's just me bragging, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that was a different time. I was, I was young, full of energy and time, mostly time, free time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they they do the summoning and like there's a giant like portal, not portal, like just giant beam in the sky and. Just suddenly cuts and they all casually just go to Stumpy's. And I just love how, like, just how, like, casual they are about it. Like, that's just what made me just believe in the fact that it's a satire, but yeah, no. I, I just love that. <laughs> like, the planters, they're just so used to, like, like their own BS at this point that it's just fine. Like, they, they, don't, they don't even think about the consequences of what they just did. Yeah, then they go off the the chickalist like awakens from like the the mountain it's sitting on. And then it cuts back to to Stumpies are having their dinner and 
everyone's hanging out, and I love the signs. They they say "Welcome back." It's like "Welcome back, planners." Also present, and then there's like another. There's a larger sign on Stumpy's, on Stumpy Stumpy's uh restaurant, just says "Welcome presents." <laughs> so like, yeah, like. <laughs> like I know I know like the town is like I the the town was really uh pushing for those presents. I mean we know we just know like bacon. I don't know. Like Warwick Yeah, we know Warwick can just be weird like that. Yeah, and uh Sprig and Ivy are sitting together and Like Ivy's so exci- excited for her red sun, like sunshell, or and you know Sprig is like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter though, right? And then Ivy's like, yeah, it kind of does, <laughs> and Sprig's like thinking, oh no. But like, I just love the animation on Sprig's face. I feel like, let me check who worked on this episode. I I hope I hope Arosha worked on that one. Yeah, the expressions are so good here. Like, because I know she loves drawing Sprig, so I hope that was the case for that. For him. Yeah, and uh, Sprig is relieved when the, the Chickalus finally arrives, and... We, we get to see... We get... The Chickalus has, like, their that own... Their, his Its own jingle, or its own, like music like pickle mentioned earlier and uh i don't know i remind me of some sort of like fast food commercial like that that feels like something i would hear for like a kfc ad <laughs> because i'm so used to hearing like the chick-fil-a or whatever like but you know maddie is like super excited to see the chick list it's like she understands that like she understands that she's meeting a god and but no one can understand what it's saying because apparently it's like its language is older than most than older than written history and you know it, it starts it starts eating the presents and the townsfolk immediately rush in to attack it and you know that's when pretty much like a fight breaks out where the players thought like the townsfolk would just uh Except the fact that their gifts were being taken from them, but no, that didn't happen. Uh, I guess once we get into the fight, I really like how uh the planners are in their like they're in like they're in action mode. Like Polly p- pulls out Doris, which was her rolling pin. That was like her. I think this is the first time we're seeing. This is the only time we're seeing Polly with the rolling pin since uh, Best Friends, actually. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, because I swear, yeah, when she threatened Anne, right, because she thought she was gonna eat them. What the shit? (laughs) Yeah, like that. That's a weird thing, but she never used it for anything. The return of Doris. Yeah. (laughs) I I had to. I I guess her. Oh yeah, like I had to like like I had to like 
bring up oh Doris, which was Polly's rolling pin, because I feel like no one, like not many people would be like, like who's Doris? Like what? Who's yeah? I, I was thinking that. I was just thinking about that right now. Wow, Doris. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and uh, wow, no. Yeah, I like how like Anne's got her sword out. Polly's got Doris. Hop Hop is just like I, I forget. Like Hop Hop is pretty much like a brawler. Like, like he doesn't have a weapon. Like, like he's kind of like. Yeah, that man was ready to box him. Like he was gonna box a god. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell? Up? I'm just looking back. Yeah, Hop Hop was just straight up ready for that. Wow. Yeah. But you know, you gotta love the plan just rising up together, though. Yeah, and, and Sprig has like Sprig has Ivy in his arms, you know. What a what a Chad Sprig. Yeah, what a beast. Even though this is he's technically lying to her, but you know. We'll, we'll ignore that for yeah, now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's staying with her now, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But oh no, uh, I wanted to bring it up, but dude, I, I just love Chickalisk was just is actually Chickalisk was actually a nice guy. He was just like he thought he was actually just invited here to eat, man, the eating party. Like he didn't know he didn't even want to fight anyone until they provoked him. Yeah, like, he, yeah, like he was just ready to have some fun, and they just started attacking him. Basically, like that's what happened. <laughs> it was like presents for me, guys. Oh, you shouldn't have. Yeah, like he got like he got called. He got called to the party. Just like the presents were there, so it's like he, he. I don't blame him for assuming it was for him. Like, but uh, yeah, Chickalist did, did nothing wrong. Oh, and I forgot <laughs> yeah, exactly. how I forgot how you know check a list is basically like check check the list basically. Oh my! What the? F- no, no, stop! You think that was on purpose? Y- no. Yeah, wasn't? Isn't that why they said like check like what? check list? Like, isn't? Wait! Oh my! That's I how- never realized that, man. Tom, <laughs> I, I never realized that. I never realized... What the fuck? No, you're... Nah. Nah, nah, nah. I'm about to have a mental breakdown. You're joking. No. Okay, <laughs> they, they've, they've made... They've, <laughs> That's not real. We've seen deeper... No like, Nick, Nick. No. Y- yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's why... <laughs> what the fuck? I never thought about that. Like, I never thought about that. I seriously never did. Fucking wow! Okay, <laughs> this is why we need to do the podcast. So we can discover new things like this. What the fuck? Ch- check the list. I-, I never realized that. I never did. Well, now you know. <laughs> what the fuck? But uh, yeah. Some of the townsfolk immediately like rush in, and they get like petrified basically by like the checklist and. Luckily, Maddie has some antidote, but then, while she goes to, like, cure them, the rest of the townsfolk and the planners, like, get organized. And, uh, I like how, uh, you know, it's just a really nice action scene, like, Anne takes, like, Anne, like, charges in headfirst, she, like, deflects the first blast, and... Uh, Sprig, Ivy, and Wally—they go along the side to blind the Chickalis with like boom shrooms. 
then once they get taken out, like Hop Hop, uh, Polly, and Sylvia, they 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 like dodge all like the earthquake attacks, and you know they go in for the hit. It's all it's all good. It's all great stuff. Yeah, like I just I especially love the shot of like yeah Wally, Ivy, and Sprig just charging in. Like it's like a whole revolving shot. Like I just love that man. Yeah. Oh no! Put some jokes. The jokes here are good too. Like, like, like we have when the town founder is shot. She's like, what? like, oh wait. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I know Sylvia's using her her nails, his claws. That's yeah, like. Yeah, no, man, again, that's just so cool. I don't know, like, I'm sure you're watching a fight, and yeah, dude, it's just so cool, like, damn, they just, they just went all out, like, this is, like, damn, like, like I, I know technically Night Drivers is the season premiere, but, like, yeah, to return to Warwood, god damn, like, this is just how you really open up, like, a return to, like, you know, a return to, like, a season, you know what I mean? Like, this is just... Yeah, this is just an amazing episode. And, uh... You know... <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking about how... Like, Toadstool used Toady as a shield without knowing he was turned to stone, like... Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, damn, this is what... Like... Damn, like, if I'm being honest... Like, like, if I'm being honest, this, this is what makes me think, like, like, is, is it okay that there are a couple, like, in the future because of how Toadstool just treats Tony? Like, what the fuck, man? Like, he was ready to, and it wasn't even, like, the laser. Like, it wasn't even the laser. It was fire. He was ready to allow Tony to burn the death. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, holy shit. Like I could be a little forgiving if it was the late if it was the laser because he could just be turned to Saul, maybe they can reverse that. But dude, he used them as a shield against fire. Holy shit. Yeah, so they uh You know, like Mrs. Toadstool tries to like get Archie to tie up like the beak, but that doesn't do much. Then eventually the town goes into, uh, they form their Chickalist formation, and it's basically like, uh, it's kind of the same thing we saw in, uh, Anor Beast, where, like, they, they, all the townsfolk, like, make a shape of something to try and ward off the beast. And I, I like how, like, this time, like, Anne's part of it now, and they yeah. form, like, a, just a giant Chickalist looking pyramid and basically just offend the chickalist to leave yeah like even like, <laughs> god the chickalist found a racist too dude like dude, what the like if you look over the chickalist on the chickalist's perspective like you just feel bad for them like they thought they were invited to a party then they got beat up and then like they then then like on their discriminated against like the like <laughs> Yeah, he he did he did not have a good night. 
<laughs> yeah, and then, he, and then he just leaves after. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm out. Like, like, they actually summon the god, dude. Like, just the way... He doesn't even fly away. He just, like, tell him... Like, he just, like what? Is he from, like, another dimension or something? Is that how the Chickalus works? Like... No is. idea. Yeah, both these episodes have, like, pretty, like, weird... Like... Like, spirits and, like, elder gods. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know, it's just wild how this world just works, but I just, I do love how it always just feels fitting somewhere, right? and I guess, maybe maybe a part of that is, is due to how they, like, design like, some of these creatures, but I don't know, like, I feel like what they've done with the lore of the world, like, nothing's ever felt sort of out of place in a way, you know what I mean? Like, there's I, I don't know, I guess yeah, I don't know how to explain it all, but like, I guess there's just I guess I could also just, you know, like, attribute some of this just to the fact that, yeah, that the, um, Amphibia's world, Amphibia's lore, like, explores multiple different worlds, and, like, you know, that already opens up the idea of some of it leaking into this world, so it's like, I don't know, like, like a lot of it just feels fitting. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, the Chickless leaves... And, you know, the, the townsfolk are kind of side that they, they're, they're kind of disappointed that they weren't able to fight hard enough to save the gifts. And they feel super bad about that, but, it, and, and gives that look of, uh, disappointment at the planners. And eventually, like, Polly reveals that they never got the gifts to begin with. And, you know, the town immediately drops the planners. Yeah. <laughs> now poor Anne did I, she was just trying to protect her favorite ship but she got roped into it and uh yeah the plan like the, the rest of the town is, they're, they're like disappointed but then they're like like they handle it pretty well they're like yeah we just missed you guys <laughs> like yeah and, you know, like, even Croker, even Mrs. Croker says, like, oh, like, you guys, like, the town's been, like, quiet without you guys, like, learning lessons every week. Like, yeah, that was season one. Yep. <laughs> Fuck, I, I don't know, like, Ivy's the only one who's not, like, you know what I mean? She's not the only one who's fucking done with this. Like, she's just done with this break with the day. I, like, <laughs> like, everyone's just happy to have him back, and Ivy's just, just total bruv face, dude. <laughs> God, I love it. At least she she pulls a move up with Sprig to yeah. get him on to get him to take her on a date. That's yeah. uh, that was pretty smooth of Ivy. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I just <laughs> like the flanders, dude. Like they just bring fucking like I don't know, like. <laughs> like they, 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 the same day they get back, they terrorize the town by summoning an eldritch god, just because they don't want to deal with the repercussions of like failing to keep a promise. And like, I don't know, <laughs> like, and like the, t I don't know, dude. It, it, I, I just, I just love it. I, I don't even know. How, I don't know how else to describe it. But I just think I love it. Like how the play just fit in Warwood is just so awesome. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, 
Yeah, the, the episode pretty much ends off with the, like, like <laughs> Ivy giving Sprig a kiss, and Sprig is like frozen. And I love all. There's like so many jokes at the very end of this episode where it's like Sprig's freaking out, he's frozen up. Anne's freaking out. Polly drags her off screen. Sprig falls over. I, uh, Maddie assumes he's like petrified and just throws like a throws an antidote at him. It's like so much, like so many gags, like so little time, and it's it's great. It it kind of reminds me like the ending. Sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit, but my audio was broken, so I couldn't say it earlier. But no. The but like the town kind of be like yeah I'm not surprised you did something awful sort of reminds me of New Art Word where they're just kind of they'd be more confused if something horrible wasn't happening. There's some of that character problems. Yeah, they're they're used to it yeah. at this point. Like the fact there's a daily activity of like um. It's a daily activity for the plant. It's just to wreak havoc on, on town. Like I just love that. Oh, it's like. Oh, go ahead. And back in season one, they say something like, "It's almost as if we have two wacky adventures per week." Right. Yeah. Like that was in <laughs> combat camp. <laughs> oh man, no, no. But I always feel bad when I hear that joke because I mean, you guys already know what happened. It's like <laughs> yeah, the bomb format. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, shoot! I, wait, I was no, I was gonna bring up something. Oh yeah, yeah I don't know. No, okay, since we probably won't be able to, since that. Okay, okay, I, I guess I can bring this up because like, no, okay. Um, yeah, no, I again, one of my favorite gags with them coming back to Warwood is just how um, I think, yeah, it's a new war, new war when it ha- new war when it happens, right? And like a mob forms around on um, Marcy, right? And like you know, Polly's there and calls her out, and like. You know, Polly just says, I, I go where the mob goes, and I'm like, and then anytime you see a mob in 2B, Polly's there, and I just love that. Like, I love the fact they kept that up. Like, that, that's like one of my favorite parts of rewatching that part of the series. Like, I'm sorry. I just had to bring it up because we're, we're, we're basically there already. Wait, was there a mob in this episode, or? Oh, not this episode, but I just mean, like, by New Warwood. Like, it, it starts, like, it becomes a consistent thing in New Warwood, and after that. Like, oh. anytime, anytime something crazy happens, and there's a mob, Polly's there with the mob. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that. I guess we've covered everything in in Return to Warwood. I guess we can go into final thoughts. Um, I, I, I guess Pickle, any what are your final thoughts on Return to Warwood? Did we did we did we miss anything? No, I think that's about it. It's- a funny episode for sure and it's a nice episode i i i like it decently all right thank you pickle uh nick final thoughts on return to wartwood yeah i i just love this episode like it's like i've talked about i've been on here before talking about how they're just my go-to rewatch episodes right and return to Warwood is just one of them like so many things about this episode are just on peak, on on sorry, not on peak, um, on point that just makes it so easy to put on and just watch and love. Like it just feels like such a high quality episode on like every single level it could have. Like the animation, right? Like animation art, like the facial expressions, um, like 
in the music, um, the comedy, the emotional beats, like everything here, right? Everything here just works. It feels like, you know, definitely one of Amphibia's best episodes. And like, I think I've also talked in here before, just, you know, what, I, like, yeah, what, I, what would I show off to sort of like, you know, get something, get someone's Amphibia and just show its better parts. And I think this would be one of those episodes. All right, thank you, Nick. And I guess my thoughts, like, yeah, I loved Return to Wartwood. Like, this was just really nice to see all the townsfolk again, the main cast, like, interacting with them a lot, and, like, them reuniting with the town felt great, and I, I love how, like, looking back, how, like, Return to Wartwood, or sorry, Escape to Amphibia is kind of like a, Seems like a the title itself seems like a play on uh, Return to Wartwood. Just the way it's like we're returning. I I don't know how to describe. It. Just like Return to Wartwood, Escape to Amphibia is like kind of like similar, but different titles or different meanings. Uh, but yeah, like all the all the humor here was great. Uh, Chuck. Like our our friend Chuck, uh, pulled up in the comments like uh, Adam Cole asked like talking about Return to Warwood and how like he pitched it as like a Seinfeld sound like Seinfeldy episode and and then he had to repitch it to him again when he asked about introducing ancient black magic into the lore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it does sort of have that Seinfeld energy, doesn't it? In some ways. I haven't watched Seinfeld. I, I've watched the Looney Tunes show, which I know is like inspired by Seinfeld a lot, but I, I got that vibe. Like, I, I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen a ton of it myself either, but I feel like I feel like some of the clips I've seen and then, like, what I've also overheard from some people, like, I feel like, yeah, like, where, where it's sort of like you have these characters who are supposed to be normal people but like you also have these moments where like you can see them at their absolute worst and it's just played up to be you know and it's just played up to be comedic and i feel like you can sort of see that in um you know in the flag and scene where they're all there just you know what i mean like it's sort of like that i feel like that's where i get that um seinfeld vibe from yeah and like overall i just i loved both these episodes it was a nice It was a, it was a great mid season premiere and just yeah like I think that's all those are all my thoughts on this episode and I guess that pretty much concludes this week's recording and next week we'll be covering uh, Ivy on the Run and After the Rain and that's going to be our last episode discussion which is going to be. It's an odd feeling, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll looking forward to that. But that's all for day today. Thanks for listening, and see you guys next time. Say goodbye, everyone. See you guys. See ya. <laughs>